Good morning. It is really good to be together. Uh, again, my name is John, and uh, if we haven't uh, met, I would love to meet you after worship today as we're, as we're heading out. I uh, would love to get to know you uh, as well. But um, if you saw that, let's go ahead and flip that other light on. I don't want to preach in the dark up here. Um, but it's, a, it's an interesting little clip that we just saw, and I don't know if you caught the little screen at the end, but we're going to throw that up again uh, in a second. But I love this clip that happens to be from uh, the movie uh, Bella. And uh, came out a few years back. And there's a few different things that I love about it. First of all, just kind of the humorous side of it. I love the gentleman who is blind uh, says to the other guy, uh, uh, you keep it real. I've got my eye on you, right? And I just love that line, uh, you keep it real. I've got my eye on you coming from a blind man. Uh, and it's a great week to keep, it's a great week to keep it real uh, because it's Thanksgiving week. So happy Thanksgiving, City Branch. Happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Um, so in the spirit of Thanksgiving, why don't you just turn to those people next to you and say, happy Thanksgiving. You keep it real. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, besides the funny side, uh, to that clip, um, there's something a little bit deeper about it too. Uh, and maybe you caught that it has something to do with that phrase. God closed my eyes, but now I can see. And it's interesting how we take for granted those things that are so simple, because chances are it's going to probably be difficult for you to go through this next week without being asked the question, so what are you thankful for, right? Maybe you're going to be sitting around a table, maybe you'll just be hanging out with friends, and you're going to get asked that question, what are you thankful for? And for many of us, the most common answers are usually that of um, family and friends and good health, um, and uh, because we know it's, it's a season when we tend to reflect on those things that we take for granted. And especially for the gentleman in the clip, I think he's on to something, isn't he? He's on to something. He's blind, but he can see something that they can't see. How exactly is it that a blind man can see? How is it that at the time of year of Thanksgiving, when, when we're asked, what are you thankful for? And we're told, you should be thankful, and you should have gratefulness in your heart. How is it that a blind man on the side of the road can have way more joy and wonder in his eyes, in his heart, than a couple who's passing who has everything, at least in the eyes of the world. And I wonder this morning if God isn't reminding us this week that gratefulness, that that being thankful is less about the condition of our life and more about the condition of our heart. Maybe Thanksgiving is more about what is going on in our hearts than the circumstances that surround us in our life today. I'm reminded of Paul's words from Philippians. You've probably heard this before, but Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And we know... From experience, we know from the context of Paul's life, he's not just giving us a little pep talk about be cheery this Thanksgiving. You should be thankful for what you have. Beaten, thrown overboard, whipped, spit on, kicked out, thrown in jail, beaten. That's Paul's life. So in the midst of that, how can Paul be thankful and content? How can he say something like that? How is it that that blind man can say, and now I see? 
when he can't see anything? How can each one of us today say with confidence, it is well with my soul? It is well with my soul, no matter what's going on in my life. And I think the answer comes a little bit earlier in Paul's writings in the book of 2 Corinthians. And it's this short little phrase. And Paul says this, for we live by faith, not by sight. For we live by faith, not by sight. Because we live by faith in the bigger story for the greater reward. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus says. So you can have a deeper peace and a deeper joy in your life, not just during Thanksgiving. Not just during Thanksgiving, but every single day of your life because that is the kingdom that matters, Jesus says. And Jesus says to every single one of us this morning, I know it might be really, 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 really hard right now. But can you trust me for today? Can you trust me for today? Keep the faith, your heavenly father says. Keep the faith. Walk by faith, God says. Not only so that I can give you my joy today, because without faith, it's impossible to dream. Without faith, it's impossible to see beyond what our human eyes can see. It's hard to discover a vision. It's hard to dream. If you've been around Hope the last few weeks, you know that we've been traveling through a sermon series called the 2020 Vision. And it's kind of ironic that we start with a blind man and we move into talking about our vision. It's a different kind of vision. It's a dream for where we want to go as a church. And we've been walking through this 2020 vision that the leaders at Hope that we've laid out. We said, this is where we feel, this is where we sense that God is taking us in the next 10 years. And we couldn't be more excited about it. And um, last week we looked at this passionate statement that summarizes the entire vision about the kind of church that God is calling us to be. And it's this. We believe that in the next 10 years, God has called Lutheran Church of Hope to be a radical, transformational church with a massive local and global impact, producing new life in Christ for hundreds and thousands here on earth and making heaven way more crowded for eternity. And that is something to get excited about. If that doesn't start stirring in your blood, I don't know what does, folks, because that's what life is about. It's not about hope. It's about the kingdom. It's about what God wants to do through hope to advance the kingdom. But the thing about that vision, the thing about this big vision that we've been talking about all these weeks, is that it's impossible. If it's about us. It's impossible if... It's about us and our abilities because God knows we don't have it. (laughs) We only create visions as as a church if we're able to walk by faith because without faith, it's just a bunch of man-made plans. But the vision is by faith and not by sight. And so the past couple weeks, we've been kind of looking at this vision from a 10,000-foot view. We kind of all went up as a church into this helicopter and we're kind of looking out The big picture view is like you're up in an airplane and you're looking down on the fields of Iowa. You can't really see anything specific. But today I want to land that helicopter and I want to talk about what that vision might mean for us here at City Branch. A couple weeks ago I was um, talking with a friend um, who's out of town and who knows um, about City Branch and and kind of what we're doing here. And I was telling, yeah, I help uh, lead this new, new church. And after a while... Um, as I've been telling, he goes, okay, John, take your, take your little pastor professional hat off for a second. And okay, I did that. And he said, John, 
what do you really think about the church? Uh, what do you mean? What do you really think about City Branch? Not just what your nice little professional pastoral statements are that you probably get up there and try to give them all these warm fuzzies and make them feel good. What do you really think about the people? Hmm. Okay, well, uh, I kind of thought about that for a second. He says, so what do you really think? Not what you just say up in the pulpit, but what do you really think about how things are going? And well, first of all, I said I don't have a pulpit. I prefer to preach from the half-court line. Um, that's just how I roll. But um, I said, you know, I, as, as a church, as a church family, I feel like I can be pretty, pretty honest with them. I mean, it's, it's my family. Uh, you're all my family uh, when, when we're together. And uh, I said, so I, I think kind of what you see is what you get. I hope. I mean, this is the same John that you're going to see at Smoky Row on Wednesday afternoon drinking a coffee. I, I hope that's the same John that you see. And, and, and I hope and pray that everybody at City Branch knows what I think, that what, what my heart is. But then I thought, you know what? Why don't I just tell him? <laughs> we got some time, so why don't I just tell you? And that's what I'd like to do this morning. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I think about you. No, I'm just joking. Well, actually, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so as we're wrapping up this, this 2020 vision, um, I'm going to tell you not just what I think, but what I believe. Because I think it's a little bit deeper than just what I think. But inspiration comes from a lot of different places. And you probably think, oh, John sits in his pastor's study for 27 hours a week and just slaves over the scriptures. And just, oh, it's such an agonizing experience. And sometimes... I watch Sports Sound Off on Channel 13 on Sunday nights, and God inspires me deeply from that. I don't know if any of you watch this show or not. It's probably way past some of your bedtime, as it is uh, mine and my wife, but we have gotten uh, connected with this show. So Keith Murphy and Andy Fails, and they do, it's kind of a, a local sports center, if any of you like Sports Center on ESPN. So they talk about, um, you know, different uh, sports things that are going on, about the Hawks and the Clones and different things like that, and then they have different guests and things like that. So we stay up late and watch this, but they have a segment on Sports Sound Off, it's called I Think. I think, and there's a little bubble over their head. So Keith pops up and Andy pops up. And of course they're talking about sports, but today, instead of talking about sports, we could do that all day long. We're going to do, I think with John, but instead we're going to call it, I believe. And so I have three, I believes for you today. A couple of them are personal and a couple of them about us as a church. So we're going to have a little sports sound off today. It's going to be John sound off today. So here we go. Number one, if you're taking, uh, keeping track at home, uh, number one, I believe, and this one's personal and close to my heart. Um, what do I really think? I am blessed to be able to serve as your leader. It's Thanksgiving. And that's what I think about. Um, each week when I'm up here, um, I can't tell you how grateful I am. And I'm grateful because I know who I am. And what I mean by that is I know the sin that's in my life. Uh, I know the struggles that I have. <laughs> I know my weaknesses. I have people around me to tell me what my blind spots are. And that's continually humbling. Uh, if you wonder if I'm just kind of shuff, you know, throwing it to the side and saying, oh, he's just being that humble pastor... 
You can talk to any of the leaders that I work with here at the church, and you can thank God that I'm not running this church alone. Um, you, you can thank God that uh, half of my ideas never make it out of our meetings. Um, praise God for doing church as a team. But to have the privilege extended to me and Tiffany, to have the grace extended to us by God and also by you to be at this place at this time is a gift that I am so grateful for this time of year. It's an incredible thing to be able to get up every day and not just go to work, but to believe that there is a mission that is so much bigger than me that is worth giving my life to. That's what I think. And I have to tell you, usually at the end of the day, especially on Sundays, I'm pretty shot. Um, for those of you that know me, um, I, I kind of have to get jacked up for Sunday morning. Not because I'm not excited, but because I am as introverted as introverted gets. And I kind of like to hole up, and so I preach, and I go home, and I curl up in a ball on the floor and cry. No, I'm joking. But I am an introvert. And so uh, to give you an example, last Sunday I came home from worship, and it was absolutely incredible. And to give you a little bit a glimpse into our home life, um, I come home, and I am just pacing in our living room like this. And I'm just talking to Tiffany. I'm saying, oh, this was so great. And wasn't the worship awesome? And the people came in, and the breakfast club, and it was awesome, and, and everything. And she's like, John, just shut up already about the church. Gee whiz. And I couldn't stop talking about it. And she said, you're going to ruin your dinner. And so... Um, so then, to continue on with my day, so that's a full morning, and, and I squeeze in a little nap, and then later that day, I head on down to Central Iowa Shelter, where we're serving the meal, and I walk in there, and we've got volunteers pouring out of the door. We've got volunteers pouring out of the kitchen. I'm like, well, what do they need me for, I guess? So I left. No, I didn't. I stuck around, and it was incredible, and it was so awesome to see so many of you there, because you're our family. It doesn't matter if we're here or down at the shelter, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and it was so cool to see so many of you. And so then I actually had to leave that mission event early and head over to one of our men's houses where we have three different uh, men's small groups meeting that are spread throughout the living room and the kitchen and the man cave downstairs, uh, becoming better men in Christ. And, and that, was, that was a great day. And so you can see that God is on the move. And it was at that moment that, that I was reminded again how grateful I am that that was my day. <laughs> That's not work. It's a joy, and I'm reminded of Paul's words that he says to the church in Corinth. He says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to not only share with you the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And that's what I love about you. Because we're not just doing ministry, we're doing life. And out of doing life together comes ministry. That's when it's the healthiest. I'm also so thankful for the way that you've embraced Tiffany and I, who's not here today, who on, on the side is running another nonprofit ministry in her free time. Um, I think what I love the most is that you see us as John and Tiffany. And I want you to know that. Because there's a lot of places that you can go where unless I have a robe and a collar on, then I can't really be a leader. Um, we love it that you don't think that we're super John and super pastor's wife, Tiffany. Because we don't look that good in tights. We love it that you just see us as normal human beings because that's what we are. If we ever get a stage where I'm way up here and I'm preaching down at you, just go, get off your pedestal! Because the half-court line works just fine for me. So thank you for embracing us in that way. 
So that's what I think. I think I am blessed to serve as your leader. Second of all, what do I believe? Secondly, I believe that 2011 is going to be an incredible, incredible year. I know it's a little ways away. We still got some holidays, but I'm looking ahead because I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's going to be an incredible year. And I don't know, um, and I'll throw that around lightly because we've prayed and we've talked about what it means to truly make an impact here in Des Moines. And, and as we've done that as a leadership team, I think that God's continued to narrow our focus about what that looks like. And so I just want to share with you a few of our big ideas. And these have been censored. Even if they came from me, they've been censored uh, to to tell you them here. So hopefully they're decent ideas. Um, So this is our big idea for 2011. You ready for this? We're going to sell everything we have. We're going to move to the Bahamas and start Hope Caribbean Branch. Is anybody with me? Don't tell Pastor Mike I said that. Instead, um, we could do that or... Uh, we feel like God is leading us to some very specific goals for this year ahead. First of all, an increased emphasis on loving our neighbors. Literally, our neighbors. If you notice in our scripture for today, Jesus reminds us that the most important command, the reason that we exist as a church, is to love one another. It's it's that part that we love to skip over in the great commandment. So uh, in Mark 12, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We just kind of skip over that. Oh yeah, I know that verse. Just love people. What if we actually took that literally? Like love your neighbor as yourself. I absolutely love mission trips overseas. Hope has eight kajillion mission trips going overseas. Go on them. That's awesome. But in the process, don't forget that the world has also come to us. The world is here in Des Moines and there is a mission field in your backyard today. In fact, there might be a mission field under your own roof today. But if we're going to be really honest, I, I have to say that it's my heart that we as a church would not, that, that we would not be able to walk around this city, that you would not be able to go through your normal activities during the day without having your heart break for your neighbors. And not in any sense of judgment at all, but in compassion. As Jesus looked over the city going into the days, his final days on earth, it says he has compassion on them. Not sinners, unchurched, you haven't been to church, you're a bad person. He had compassion on them and he loved them. Because more importantly than making somebody a project, treat them as a person and love them enough. People will forget what you do, they will forget what you say, but people will never forget how you make them feel. And that specifically applies to our neighbors. Um, That's where I feel like we're going. An increased emphasis on reaching our neighbors. I pray that we wouldn't be able to walk around this city without having our hearts break. And so we've been asking, what, what would it look like to put that command to love your neighbors, not just generic city, but to love our neighbors? And so we've got some really tangible things that we're really excited about. We've already started a few of these. Uh, we had a local um, heating and air conditioning company from here in Des Moines uh, that, want, that called us, that contacted us, that heard about what we're doing in the city, and they said, we want to help you. And so they're contributing um, three-fourths of their staff in service hours every single month to come alongside of us and do basic home repair and heating and plumbing and air conditioning for people that need it in the city of Des Moines. How cool is that? Praise God for that. Um, so we're going to be doing a lot of that. So those of you that have skills for working on homes, 
get ready. Secondly, as of last week, uh, we've officially launched this thing that what we're calling missional communities. We had a little workshop uh, a couple weeks ago. We talked about what does it look like to be a missionary in our own backyards. We've been asking that question. What about the people in our lives? What about the people that you sit in your cubicle with and the people that, that uh, you go to the gym with and the people that you see at the grocery store and you run into them all the time and you're like, oh, you know, I've kind of talked to them before and I just don't really know if the whole church worship thing, I don't, I don't know if that's their thing. I don't know if they would ever do that. And so we've been asking that question, what about the people that never would step foot in a church building or where church is happening? What does the church look like for them? What does it look like for them? And so we're in the process of actually training up some of you. We're training up several leaders to go out from City Branch and start mini churches, essentially. And we're calling them missional communities. And that church might be five people. It might be six people. It might be ten people sitting in your living room, having brunch together, having lunch together. And we're training up leaders to do that. And we're so excited, but again, in love. And that means no strings attached. That means loving with no agenda because we are super excited about these communities popping up. And some of them might actually take place on Sunday morning. In fact, two of them last week did. And so there were some of you that weren't here last Sunday because you're planting churches. That's something to get excited about. And so you might say, okay, John, all this stuff is super, super exciting. And all this stuff is outside the building. So what's up with that? How about a building, John? Well, we know, and if you have heard me say anything, this will be the hill that I die on. (laughs) The church is not a, it's people. Absolutely. But, I was about to say, and that's a big but. That is a big but. Buildings can also serve as tools. Because when we're on mission for God, buildings can also serve as tools, as opportunities to reach out. And with that in mind, as, as God leads us, we are actively looking for a more permanent space. I don't have a timeline for that, but I can tell you this. It may or may not be for worship, but I will tell you what it'll be. It'll be a mission outpost. And what I mean by that is as the kingdom is advancing, it's just going to be this little tent. It's not going to be a tent, but it'll be a little place that we set up and say, if you need help, come here because Jesus is here and we want to help you. And there'll be room for groups and classes and outreach and meals and all sorts of things. And that's our desire is that we would have a home here in the city. We don't want to mail in church, folks. And we're not doing that. And sometimes the building can be used as a tool. The building will never be the end all of this church. It will be a means to an end of serving the city. And so we're excited about that. It'll be never be about the size of a building. And the greatest part about any of that, whether we build a gigantic five-story massive church with a steeple and stained glass windows, the mission doesn't change. It doesn't matter where we meet. The mission doesn't change to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. <sighs> I'm just a little tired thinking about it all. So that's kind of part, part of where we're going but it's because we have a God that says greater things are still to come. We have a God that says you haven't seen nothing yet. And to accomplish that, how are we going to accomplish that? How are we going to love our neighbors as ourselves? How are we going to do that? And this is the last, I think, I believe. John believes that God is calling us to raise our level of risk for him. 
And maybe you're visiting today and maybe you're like, I hope it's not my thing and I live somewhere else. Well, then go do it where you are. Find your circle of influence that only you have. Raise the level of risk. I believe that God has done some incredible things in us as a congregation. And I've seen so many of you. It's just, it's fun to watch you get stretched. It's fun to watch me get stretched. It's fun to watch you get challenged. It's, it's, it's fun to watch you just get all shaken up and out of your comfort zone. And some of you are very, very nervous. And you're like, I've never served this way before. I've never been in a small group before. This is really strange. And then a couple weeks go by, you're like, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. As this is great. Because I'm not just serving, I'm not just changing other people, it's changing me in the process. And I want you to know that I brag about you wherever I go. Not in, oh, we've got the coolest church around. I brag about what God is doing through you. Once in a while, I get the chance to speak out at our main campus in West Des Moines. I, I, just, I just get giddy up there. People say, yeah, you just look like a little kid in a candy store. Well, I am. Because look at all the candy. You're awesome. I'm just giddy and I brag about you wherever I go. But I don't think God's through with us. I believe that today God accepts us just as we are. But he refuses to leave us that way. And last week I asked the question that I believe that Jesus posed to disciples and he asked them in Matthew, are you going to leave too? When things get tough and difficult, are you going to leave too? In other words, Jesus says to the ones that are remaining, are you all in? Right? Are you all in? And so God's just been pounding this phrase over and over and over in my heart these last few weeks. Raise the risk. Raise the risk. What would it look like for us to raise the risk? It's right in our scripture for today. It's this simple. And let's read it together. Jesus says this. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So you must love one another. Because the truth is, whenever you love, you're taking a risk. Whenever you choose to love, whenever you choose to put your heart out there, whether as an individual in a relationship or as in a church that's loving the city, it's a risk. It's risky business to put your heart out there and love because it might not go well, because it might be painful, because it might be difficult, because it might be messy, because it might be awkward. It's hard to love. It's hard to take a risk in love. I remember so vividly. It was March of 1995, and it was my first dance in junior high school. Yes, I'm not that old. What's the first word that comes to mind when you think of junior high? Awkward. Exactly. Absolutely. Puberty, right? You start talking like this, right? It's puberty. In my experience, nothing can be more awkward in the human existence than a seventh grade dance. Picture a gym like this, and you have 75 junior high girls all decked out and pretty with their bouncy hair and their little dresses, and they're talking and they're giggling and they're going to the bathroom in groups of 15, and then they come back, and you've got the junior high girls over there. And what's on the other wall? Boys with cooties. Remember cooties? All the boys are lined up over there, right? It's risky business going to a junior high dance because in the middle of the boys and the girls, the girls are all cute and, and, and happy and giggly over there and the boys are over here and they're wearing their khaki pants that their mom made them wear and they're sweaty because junior high boys sweat like banshees like it's nobody's business. Pretty girls, sweaty boys, and in the middle, a great chasm that must be crossed. 
at the junior high dance. It takes one brave, bold soul to cross that chasm and extend love to the other side. Who got assigned that task? Little John. The whole school's watching. The lights dim down low. No, I'm joking. And I walk across because there's a girl named Erin. And I got a crush on her. And so I walk over to the girl's side and you know what I see? <laughs> a lot of that. Walking over to the other side. It's risky business to love, folks. And it's real. It wasn't just hormones. It was real. No, it was hormones. So I'm walking over and I extend love to Erin, and you can just see her face. She's like a thermometer, and it just gets red and red and red all the way to the top. And I say, <laughs> I, I didn't know if you wanted to. You know what she did? She started crying, and she ran to the girls' bathroom <laughs> where she spent the rest of the night. Do you know what I did? I went to the gym and got more sweaty. It's a risk when you love because you don't know how it's going to be received. It's always a risk to walk across the gym because you don't know the result. It's a risk to love because you know that it might not get returned. And I believe that in 2011, God is calling us at City Branch specifically to raise our level of risk because it's what our leader has called us to. Any good leader is not going to ask you to do something that they haven't modeled for you first. And what does Jesus say in our scripture for today? Love as I have loved you. It's Simon says, folks, do as I do. Jesus only knows one way to love, and that's unconditionally. Because here's the truth. Visions have price tags. Visions have price tags. Any vision worth implementing isn't cheap. The greatest vision that was ever announced in human history was when God announced this great big vision to the congregation in heaven and to his son. We call it Christmas. Jesus calls it a cross. The vision would mean leaving the comfort and the security of heaven and moving down into the dirty streets of Nazareth. Because to love is a risk. It doesn't matter if it's a 14-year-old boy going through puberty walking across the gym or whether it's the God of the universe becoming a carpenter dressed in rags. When it's a matter of love, you have to go yourself. And the greatest vision ever was accomplished when Jesus paid the ultimate price for human sin, your sin and mine. This vision for hope that we have on this final Sunday of the series, it is really, really, really cool. I love it, and I hope that you do too. And it's going to touch tens and thousands of lives, but it's going to cost something. Anything worth doing is going to cost us something. It's going to require sacrifice. And for some of that, for some of us, it's going to mean that we have to sacrifice and we have to get outside of our comfort zones. But maybe for you, it might be financially or, or maybe your time. But most importantly, I think for all of us, raising the level of risk for the kingdom means that we live our lives with increased intentionality. I'm not asking you to spend 15 hours a week being busy with religion. 
I'm asking you to put on your radar so that wherever you go every single day, that Jesus' love is oozing out of you. That you've received so much of it. It's like, I can't, I can't hold any more of it. And it's just going to overflow out of me. Because I'm in love with you, God. Visions have price tags, but they also change the world. And that's what I'm excited about. And so, lastly, I believe that God's calling us to raise the risk in two areas. The first one is through serving. You may not realize this, but in our lesson for today, in the context of that lesson, when Jesus says, love as I have loved you, ten verses before that, what is Jesus doing? He's washing feet. What's different about Jesus? What's different about that this is moments after the God of the universe is down on his knees wiping probably months months of grit and grime and sweat from the smelly feet of 12 dirty men. I don't know when the last time it is that you took off your sneakers after a workout. It's not pleasant. Ask my wife. It just does not smell good. Now take that times a few months of sandals on dirty, dusty roads traveling by foot. And it gives us some context to what Jesus says in this next verse, and let's read this together. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Praise God that we have a vision, folks. Praise God that we have a whole lot of ideas about what the church should be. But great visions take those who are willing to get messy to carry them out. Those who are willing to raise the risk of love in their lives. You want to have significance and purpose in your life? Wash some feet. Wash some feet. And please, start under your own roof. Husbands, serve your wives. Wives, serve your husbands. Serve your kids like they're the treasure that they are. It's got to start at home. Ask the people around you this week, how can I make you shine? Maybe you're not going to wash their feet. But say, how can I help you become who God created you to be? How can I serve you this week? Chances are it'll blow their socks off. And then it moves across the street to your neighbor. And then pretty soon we're not just known as the group of Christians that gets together at Hubble. Wouldn't it be awesome? if we were known as the best neighbors in the city of Des Moines. Not the best Christian neighbors, the best neighbors, period. Not because we're churchy, but because we love, with no strings attached. Raise the level of risk in our service. Raise the level of risk as we invite. Pastor Molly reminded us a few weeks ago that right here today, there's tens of thousands of unchurched people living in the city of Des Moines. And so until that's no longer the case, our job is not done, especially that of inviting. Every single one of us has a circle of influence, a mission field that's around us. And I've said it once and I'll say it again. This church will never have an evangelism committee. You can put your money on it. Do you know why we're never going to have an evangelism committee? Because I'm looking at them right now. You're it. Every single one of us has been called to that. And sometimes inviting gets messy, and sometimes inviting gets weird, and sometimes we've got to think outside the box. Tracy told you this, but today, last week, was our one-year anniversary 
of our breakfast club ministry. And uh, to celebrate, we're going to have some cake. You better believe we are. But a while back, I had the opportunity to speak out at our main campus in West Des Moines about this ministry specifically. I'm like, "Uh, I don't think I'm going to show it at City Branch. Well, today is I Think Day, so we're going to watch a video that was made about you and about what God has done through us, about what it's like to be invited in. Let's take a look. I was called to come to the city branch and I've actually seen the bus ministry grow and each Sunday it makes me fulfilled to see it full every day with people and um, those who are seeking faith and, and building on their relationship with God. I've enjoyed coming to uh, Hope uh, and it has built my faith even stronger. It's given me new friends and, and, and the realization of friendship and, and the love that, that shared uh, that I haven't had in a long time. Everybody just talking to each other like they're friends and family and, and the actual genuine care um, about your personal growth and, and your, your faith. There's a lot of needs down here and, and hope has been there and fulfilled all the needs that I, that I can see, whether it be simple lunches to simple um, people that just listen um, and pray for those in need down here. We're all brothers in, in, in Christ. And whether we, we are from the streets or, or live in a million dollar home, I believe that, that we are all the same in God's eyes. You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. A lot of the stuff I learned at, at y'all's church is, you know, um, to believe in believing in Jesus and and He is the way and the light. There, like there are regulars of us that that have gone since you know we found out that you do come and pick people up. There are other people, you know, like when new people come in. You know, they see the posters and the advertisements on the wall out there, you know, and then they'll ask, well, hey, how do you get to this church or whatever? You know, and we'll tell them, well, hey, the bus comes right here and picks us up, you know, and then, you know, and I always tell them, you know, about y'all wonderful breakfast you serve on Sundays. (laughs) And so, you know, they get pretty excited about it, you know. The greater things have yet to come Since March of last year, I have been homeless and sleeping under a bridge and lost. The church helped me get into a motel until they could help me get into an apartment. People who attend the church donated furniture and food and towels and sheets and blankets and the whole apartment was just furnished with everything that we needed. Now that I am getting on my feet, I'm attending small groups over at the church. I'm attending Alpha, uh, new member class, uh, Hope at Work. 
and I hope to help with cookie ministry um, and give back because even when I was homeless, they provided food for me on Sundays. When I started getting involved in the church and the church started getting involved in my life, and I started listening, and I realized that what I didn't have was hope. And when you don't have hope, you don't realize how important it is. But when you do have hope, you can't imagine how you live without it. And now that I have God in my life and have love and hope, I know what it is to live. I am not lost anymore. I've met a lot of really good people. And I now have a future in my life. Praise God for that. Give God praise for that. Absolutely. And so the question today is who needs an invite? Not just to a church building, but into a community of love. Jesus is in the business of rocking people's worlds. And business is good. Jesus is in the business of changing lives. And that's something worth sticking around for. I believe that we've only seen glimpses of what God wants to do in the city. And so as we look back a couple weeks ago as Hope celebrated its 16th birthday, but more specifically here, how a ragtag bunch of people have been around for about two and a half years, some Jesus freaks at Hubble Elementary School, this Thanksgiving, there is a lot to be thankful for. Watch this. 1334. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Greater things, folks. Greater things that God has in store. And the truth for us this morning is that I believe that God is calling us as a church to raise the level of risk because loving is risky business. I told you what I believe. But more importantly... Here's what God believes. Here's what God thinks about every single one of you this morning. That he is madly in love with you. And there is nothing that will ever change that. His grace is more than enough for you today. And I pray that we would take that love and that grace and we would go. That we would go and make disciples and shine that light today. Would you pray with me?